0: Welcome to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther was a parish pastor, later professor, and first president of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. These sermons were preached from 1840 to 1870, predominantly in congregations of the St. Louis area. Unfortunately, we do not know the specific dates and locations of most of these sermons as they have been lost to time. These sermons were originally preached and published in German and translated by Donald Heck. They're available in two volumes from Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. Thank you for listening. The 24th Sunday after Trinity, Matthew nine eighteen to 26 Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, no teaching of Holy Scripture is more repugnant to the world than the one that a person becomes righteous and is saved merely by believing, and is damned because he does not believe. How can believing or not believing a certain doctrine, which is in conflict with our reason, help or hinder a person? They think, Why would God ask whether a person has believed? Would not God consider the question, How have you lived? more significant? In any case, God is an upright, impartial God. It is unthinkable that he should take a wicked person into heaven because he believed everything which is in the Bible but eternally reject a virtuous, noble person because he could not believe everything. They say that every religion says that if you believe, you will be saved. The Jewish rabbi demands faith in his Talmud, the Brahmin in his Veda, the Muslim in his Koran, the heathen priest in his holy documents, the Christian in his Bible. Among Christians, there are also countless factions each of which says, if you believe what we believe, you will be saved. Now, who would want to decide which faith is the true one? Clearly, the best way out of this maze is to let each one believe what he wishes. How one lives that belief is that upon which everything depends. If a person lives a good life, then he may be and believe what he wishes. If he is a Jew or a Muslim, a heathen or a Christian— one who adheres strictly to the Bible, or a rationalist, a worshiper of God, or an atheist, he would be saved. Everyone can remain in the religion in which he was born. The different beliefs and religions are only different forms of the one true divine worship, only different ways, all of which lead to heaven. In heaven, one will see how foolish it was to fight over which has the true faith, and to despise and reject the other faiths. God will say to the heathen, the Jews, the Muslims, the Christians, you are all my children. You have merely used different names. Christians call me Christ, the Jew, Jehovah, the Hindu, Brahma, the Muslims, Allah, the Indian, the Great Spirit. Another calls me nature, or sun, or moon, or stars. Another, reason. All of you have honored me. Therefore, be reconciled to one another. Extend the hand of brotherhood. There is no longer any warfare. Then, it is supposed, all will sing in one choir. We have all believed in one true God. That is the faith, which these days has taken hold of more people than one might suppose. This is unbelief in all its nakedness. Whoever believes that all faiths are the same, looks on everyone with foolishness and conceit. Fundamentally, he believes absolutely nothing. My friends, who would have thought that it would get so bad in the Christian church? But according to the prophecy of Scripture itself, it had to come. For Scripture says of the last times, They refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 2 Thessalonians 2. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4. The chief reason why so many hate the doctrine that faith in Christ saves is because they are so blinded that they have never learned how to reel in the real nature of the Christian faith. If the Christian faith were nothing but a dead considering of true certain doctrines, if a person could have the Christian faith, be a godless person, and remain in his sins, then of course one could conclude that it is all the same whether one has the Christian or the Jewish or the heathen or the Turkish faith. But my friends, the true faith to which Holy Scripture ascribes salvation is something far different. This faith has such great power that a person who has it is changed. He becomes a completely new person. He leads a truly pious life. Yes, faith works what nothing else can. Let us today learn to know the great power of true faith from our gospel. Matthew nine, eighteen to 26 While Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman... Who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well, and instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, and saw the flute-players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went and took in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the gospel just read, the power of faith is presented in two examples. First, in the woman who was healed through her faith, and in the man named Jairus, who received through his faith the life of his daughter who had died. On the basis of this text, permit me to speak to you on the great power of true faith. Which faith and great power is particular to true faith, and how faith has this great power. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you invite all the world to believe your gospel by which you promised to save all sinners. Let us also experience its great saving power. Take from our heart everything whereby this gracious work could be hindered or stopped. Let it become even greater, even stronger, even mightier where you have already begun it, that the whole amazed world may see the divine victorious power of faith and thus be enticed to faith. Lord, we firmly believe that you will bless us. To you be praise and glory in eternity. Amen. My friends, a very few common notions about faith are that there is nothing easier in the world than to believe and that faith alone cannot help a person. It does not become something good until one does good works. Whoever thinks this does not yet know what true faith is, even if he imagines he has had faith for a long time. To say with the mouth, I believe, is of course easy. Such a mouth faith has no power. Rather, it makes the person powerless and secure. It hurls him only deeper into sin and ruin. The great amazing power of true faith we see in today's gospel. We are told, first of all, of a woman who for 12 years had a flow of blood. As Mark informs us, she had suffered much from many doctors using up all her money without finding any help or relief. Yes, it had, in spite of all medicines, become worse. When this woman heard that Christ had come into her city, she firmly believed that this man, who had already helped so many, would certainly help her too. She doubted this so little that she thought if she would but touch the hem of his garment, she would be healed. And what did she do? Since Christ was surrounded by a great dense crowd, She squeezed through, and with trembling hand touched the hem. And what happened? In this moment, she was cured. Christ gives her the expressed assurance, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. We perceive the same power of faith in Jairus, the ruler. Mark has recorded both stories in greater detail than Matthew. He informs us that when Jairus first went to Christ, His daughter had not yet died, but lay in the last agonies of death. He begged Christ to hurry and lay his hand upon the girl, and she would be healed. But when Christ was detained on the way by the woman, a messenger came from Jairus' house, saying, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble your teacher anymore. Luke 8. Nevertheless, Christ says to Jairus, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Jairus remained firm. And what happened? Christ went in, took the girl by the hand, and said, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Mark five forty-one. And behold, the girl became alive, stood up, and walked about. There you see what faith is able to do, what miraculous effects it produces, what incomparable power it shows. Both miracles, the healing of the woman and the awakening of the daughter of the ruler. Christ expressly ascribes to the faith of both. Now you will ask, this took place some time ago, but where can find one find such powerful faith today? I answer, faith does not show this power of healing and awaking the dead today, not because faith has lost its power, but if faith should not be a superstition, it must have a positive divine promise to which it can cling. Now, since believers no longer have the promise that God wants to heal them of every sickness and awaken all their dead before Judgment Day, faith today cannot show its power in this manner. But do not believe that the power of faith is less now than at Christ's time. It still has the self-same power. The miracles which true faith still does today are inexpressibly greater Than all the healing of sickness and awakening of the dead, which are mentioned in the Gospels. Consider the person in his natural weakness without faith. As long as he does not have faith in Christ, he cannot please God, much less be certain that he does please God. As long as one does not know whether he has the forgiveness of sins, and no one can know this without divine revelation, so long the conscience remains restless. What man, that man, is continually afraid that God is angry with him because of his sins and must and will punish him. Even God's word testifies, Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. As long as a person does not have faith, he makes good resolutions. Yes, resolution upon resolution to get rid of this or that sin and become better. However, He gets no further than good resolutions. He does not carry them out. Without faith, a person can never conquer his pet sins, can never deny the world with its lusts, its wealth, and its honor, and never sacrifice all the good days in this world for God's sake. In short, as long as a person does not have faith, he will never live to God alone. He will never be glad to take from God's hand poverty as well as riches shame as well as honor, misfortune as well as good fortune. As long as a person does not have faith, he thinks highly of the glory, wisdom, and power of the world, and is afraid of it. Even a little misery can cause him to despair, become tired of life, or even murmur against God. But who may describe all the glorious, miraculous effects when true faith begins to take root in the heart? The moment a person begins to believe, God's anger turns into grace and pleasure. God forgives all his sins, declares him righteous, his child and an heir of life. Immediately, he gives his angels the command to accompany him on all his ways, guard and protect him from all evil when he sleeps, encamp around him as heavenly sentries, and if he should die, bring his soul in triumph into the heavenly dwelling places. Through faith, he becomes so strong that as Jacob, he prevails even in a battle with God and conquers him. He has the power to unlock God's heart, lock up the gates of hell and damnation, open the doors of heaven and salvation, and gather the heavenly hosts as his bosom companions. Faith does not display this glorious power without the believer noticing something of it. It shows itself as The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews 11. Faith makes the believer divinely certain that he has God's grace. It fills him with God's peace. It sends the Holy Spirit into his heart as a pledge and seal of his justification and salvation. As St. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5. And in another passage, in him, namely Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Ephesians 1. Faith produces another effect. It creates a new heart in a man. It not only cleanses the heart from its natural love of sin, It not only plants an honest hatred and horror of all which displeases God and which he has forbidden in his word, it also gives the person power to battle earnestly against all sin, love God above all things as his greatest good, and find his greatest pleasure in God and his friendship. Whoever has true faith is an enemy of his pet sins and resists them in daily battle. He can conquer all hatred against his most bitter enemies and offenders. Yes, he can heartily love them, completely forget their offenses, and do good to them. He can do without all earthly things, wherein the natural man seeks his fortune and joy, and still be happy. For Christ's sake, he joyfully endures the the theft of all his temporal goods. For the sake of God's word, he joyfully exchanges the royal scepter, for the beggar's staff. He is unconcerned whether he is despised by the world. Yes, he fears being praised and honored by the world. He is dead to it, gladly renounces all good days, health, and rest, as long as he knows that he has God's grace. He does not strive to become rich. If, without any seeking and wishing on his part, he becomes wealthy by God's blessing, he does not cling to it. He seeks, rather, to do good with it dry the tears of the poor, and promote the spread of God's kingdom. Faith makes a person so certain of a matter that he is unconcerned whether the wise and holy of the world contradict him and call his faith folly, enthusiasm, and deception. His faith makes him so courageous that he is not afraid of the whole world, even if it rages and fumes against him with mockery, threats, and persecution. He is ready to die for his faith, if necessary. Because of his faith, the missionary forsakes friends, homeland, and everything that he considers near and dear, goes out among the wild tribes and gladly sacrifices the joys of his life for the joy of rescuing immortal souls and leading them to the Savior. Oh, the great heavenly power of despised faith. If you want examples of this great power, then turn to the scriptures and the history of the Christian church. You will find countless examples. What power and certainty faith worked in Noah when he built the ark, while the whole world ridiculed him as a fool? What strength of faith is revealed in Abraham when at God's command he was ready to sacrifice his only son, upon whom the promise rested? What an incomparable, unprecedented work of faith it was when twelve uneducated apostles went out into the whole world in order to convert all nations to faith in their crucified and risen Lord and Master. What power faith displayed in the sainted martyrs who, for the sake of the gospel, joyfully laid their heads under the executioner's axe went to the stake, offered their bodies to the most painful tortures, sprang into boiling oil, and let themselves be hurled to ravening beasts. If you want more examples of the power of faith, then read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, where we read at the conclusion, others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destituted, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and in caves of the earth. There you see the great miraculous power of true faith. Can you still suppose that the godless can have such a faith? Never. Oh yes, a hypocrite may say, I believe, but he will never prove it by his deeds. A holy life can be separated from faith as little as light from fire. Now that you have heard of this power of faith, will you still say, It makes no difference whether one has faith or not. What can faith do? Certainly not. Unbelief is as different from faith as a slave of sin is from the ruler of sin. Now tell me, how does faith have this great glorious power? permit me to show you that we see this clearly in the examples of today's gospel why was the faith of Jairus able to restore to life his little daughter beyond a doubt that power lay in the word of christ do not fear only believe and she will be well luke 8:50 yes Jairus clung to that promise it was impossible for that which he believed not to take place Christ cannot be false to his word. He cannot become a liar. And why did the faith of the woman have this miraculous power to heal her troubles of many years' duration in a second? The power of her faith lay in her taking to herself Christ's promise to help all the miserable who would take their refuge in him. Nothing else was possible, since Christ was the Almighty Son of God. He wished to be recognized as such that when the woman believed, divine healing went out from him. Here we have the real reason why such great power is peculiar to faith in Christ. It is not that faith is such a great work which God must reward so wonderfully, nor because one merits something with his faith, nor because his faith makes him better and more worthy than another, no. Whoever believes in Christ is in himself, just as unworthy a sinner as the most godless, unbelieving person of the world. Faith in Christ produces such great changes in heaven and on earth because it turns God's wrath into grace. It delivers the sinner from hell and opens heaven. It makes him holy before God. It creates in man a new heart and fills him with the Holy Spirit with his comfort with his joy with his peace with his power with his certainty faith seizes and appropriates to itself the word of Christ and with this garment Christ himself the light and power of faith is not faith's but really Christ's very own light and power a candle is dark by itself it does not give light until a light is kindled on it faith Is also something dark in itself but because it seizes Christ the light of the world faith gives such a divinely bright and clear right we read for it is you who light my lamp the Lord my God lightens my darkness Psalm 18 the world in itself is cold and unfruitful it becomes warm and fruitful only when it turns toward the Sun so a believer also has cold love in himself and is unfruitful in good works. But because he turns to Christ, the son of grace, and lets himself be bathed in his light, he becomes ardent in his love and fruitful in all good works. We therefore read in the last chapter of Hosea, I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. That is why the natural man is presented in Holy Scripture as an uncultivated field, which produces only weeds. The word of God is called the seed from which the first unfruitful plants of a new life grow up. It is faith which receives the seed of the word. That is why Christ calls himself the vine and his believers the branches. It is faith which unites a person with Christ as the branch with the vine. So do not be surprised that faith does such great things. Faith does not do them of itself, but Christ, who is seized through faith, does them. Now, that judges all of you who pretend to have faith but cannot conquer yourself, nor your indwelling sin, nor the world and its fawning sweet enticements. You, who with your faith, have experienced no change but remain as before, You who are still slaves of your passion and worshippers of the world, its lusts or its blinding wealth, you think that you have faith enough. You think you fail only in sanctification, but it is turned around. You really fail in true faith. Your faith is a foolish conceit. Do you wish to drag on to your death with an imagined faith and in your last hour despair without comfort or first in eternity open your eyes? Ah, understand in time the word of Christ. Your faith has made you well. For tell me, from which sickness of the soul has your faith helped you? Which sins have you conquered? From which bonds of spiritual death has it delivered you? And where are the signs of the spiritual life which has awakened in you? Alas, close your eyes no longer to your failings in true faith. Go as poor, empty, unbelieving sinners to Christ and pray to him to awaken true faith in you. With great joy, you will soon experience its miraculous powers in you. But you, who daily sees Christ in his word, even though with weak, trembling hands of faith, stand firm in the faith. Write the word which Christ said to Jairus, do not fear, only believe deeply in your heart. Let this be your morning star in every temptation or trouble in life. Fasten the eye of your faith firmly to it, when in your hour of death, darkness will surround you, and perhaps the terrors of hell will suddenly fall upon you. Let the world laugh at you because of your faith, as it laughed at Jairus. Christ will hold his word before you too, deliver you from the jaws of death, and let you see with eternal laughter, what you today believe with tears. To him, the author and finisher of faith, be glory and honor in all eternity. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Classic Lutheran Preaching, CFW Walther. These sermons are available in two volumes as a part of Walther's Works, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that God's Word has and will continue to be a great blessing in your life.